Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to the first and foremost sports podcast. This is episode 23. I want to thank y'all for tuning in and rocking with us. Quinn, how you doing, man? What's up, Jimmy? I'm doing pretty good. What's up to all our listeners? <laughs> man, Quinn, we got a lot to talk about today, man. Let's get straight to it. So on Wednesday, the Milwaukee Bucks decided to boycott and not play in their game on Wednesday, and it was it was a direct response to the Jacob Blake shooting uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, you know the players they demanded some things uh, from the from the league office and league officials. So, Quentin, what are your thoughts on the NBA boycott? And, you know what they've been able to accomplish in the last few days. Yeah, so you know, starting with the Bucks, I applaud them for their effort of stepping out and being brave enough to be the first in the domino effect of the protest in the sports. Because, uh, of course, it started with the NBA. Then the WNBA also boycotted and the MLB also boycotted. Uh, but the players just really, really wanted to make a statement uh, regarding, you know, not just getting money from these owners because they had already committed $300 million over the next 10 years uh, to, you know, helping out with certain efforts. But they wanted, they wanted action. They wanted, you know, tangible things that could, that could actually help towards the progress of black people, which I know you have more details. So I'll let you talk more about that. <clears throat> but I know – how you go ahead. I know you can go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just gonna throw in. I know for one, uh, on the player side, LeBron along with some more star players. I know Damian Lillard. I think uh, Patrick Mahomes, of course. You know they started a voters coalition organization. Uh, so kind of getting the owners to put together some things like that that can actually go towards uh, changing legislation. But like I said, I'll let you talk more about that because I know you have more details. Yeah, so like I said, it all started on Wednesday. And uh, I think before, if I'm not mistaken, a report said that before the Bucks left the locker room and made a statement, uh, they were able to spend time on the farm with Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. Uh, and it led to speaking with the, the, the big governor, uh, Tony Evers. And uh, Tony Evers was able to call a special session uh, of the state legislature that urged lawmakers to vote on a legislative package that includes police reform. So, you know, that's been a big part uh, of the of the revolution in the Black Lives Matter movement is police reform. Uh, but on that day, on Wednesday, uh, other teams followed suit, of course, and the Lakers didn't play that day, the Rockets Thunder didn't play that day. But I think, you know, from reading the reports, uh, I think a lot of guys had a problem with the lack of communication that Milwaukee had so they kind of, like, gave them no choice but to not play. And, uh, you know, the players made Wednesday night, and the Lakers and the Clippers voted on canceling the season altogether. Uh, but the other 11 teams in the bubble, other yeah, they decided, to, they decided to, you know, roll with it, keep going. And then they met again uh, Thursday morning, and that's when they ultimately decided to keep the season going. Uh, I think one thing that stood out is that I've read that LeBron wanted the honors to be more involved and take more action, and they have done that. Uh, you know, I've seen over the last few days, I think all 30, all 30 arenas have been made into voting location centers. So that's important. 
Uh, I think a big thing in this election has been voter suppression. I think Donald Trump has been actively trying to suppress votes. Uh, so, you know, I think that's a big thing. And I think, you know, other leagues, that started a wave of uh, other leagues, including the WNBA and MLB, they postponed games. Uh, the WNBA canceled games Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, the MLB postponed three games. Uh, the N- Some NFL teams didn't even practice. So, you know, that's, that started, you know, a firestorm that triggered, you know, uh, standing in solidarity with the NBA. Uh, but I think, you know, in terms of the owners, I think some players are skeptical. And in particular, I saw Jalen Brown had a quote. Uh, he was on a conference call Saturday afternoon. And what Jalen Brown said, he said, I'm not sure. I can't speak for everybody. I can only speak for myself, and I'm not sure. I'm not as confident as I would like to be. I think promises are made year after year. And we've heard a lot of these terms and words before. We heard them in 2014, reform. Uh, we're still hearing them now. A lot of them are just reshaping the same ideals and nothing is actually taking place. He said long-term goals are one thing, but I think there's stuff in our wheelhouse as athletes with our resources and the people that we're connected to that the short-term effect is possible. So, you know, Jalen Brown is, you know, he's keeping his ears up, pinned up, because he actually wants change. He's been one of those players that's been on the front lines fighting. And, you know, I'm just – I'm proud of the NBA and I'm proud of the players taking a stand against this social injustice and, you know, using their platform to to push change. Yeah, uh, you know, for one, good job looking up that quote. I hadn't heard that Jalen Brown quote. But, uh, you know, seeing what he's been doing, you know, he definitely has a bright future as one of the young leaders in the league. Uh, you know, going back, we kind of talked about, you know, when they initially were going through the first process of the first steps of this, how we hoped that they had some kind of plan behind it and they weren't just, you know, acting off emotions and you not really having a direction of where they want to go with this. But like you said, they've done a, a great job. You can only hope that, like Jalen Brown said in the quote, that now some things will actually change and some people will actually start being held accountable. Because like he said, uh, a lot of these things, uh, they use certain terminology to make things sound so good. Uh, But ultimately, it's a never-ending process and you're just going in circles over and over again. Because like with the Jacob Blake death, we're just constantly adding names to the list. It's one name this month, another name the next month. And you can only imagine the names that don't even make it to the media. Uh, so, like like we said, we can only hope that now some change will actually be made. Uh, you mentioned also how Donald Trump is trying to, you know, encourage really voter suppression in a way. Uh, I know there was the issue with defunding uh, the post office because he didn't want people mailing in votes because, of course, a lot of people feel it's unsafe to vote with the COVID-19 conditions. Um, so uh, you mentioned the 30 stadiums. Uh, so we can only hope that things will get better, man, like you said. Definitely. Uh, Quinn, let's move on. Like I said, uh, the NBA started back playing on yesterday. Uh, and the first game was game six of the series – no, game five, I'm sorry. Game five of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets. So, Quinn, what are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, man. So, this, for one, has been a pretty entertaining series. 
Uh, Houston went up 3-2, of course. Harden showed us why he was the MVP a few years ago. Uh, of course, before yesterday, Lou Dort has been giving him pretty much a run for his money every game. But yesterday, pretty much Harden just got whatever he wanted. Uh, he had 31 points. He was efficient, shooting 11 of 15 from the field. He was 4 of 8 from 3. Uh, and, of course, we can't ignore the biggest addition and the biggest subtraction. Russell Westbrook, who had been battling, of course, a strain right quadriceps injury. Uh, he hadn't played any playoff games up until yesterday, and he'd only played once since, like, August 4th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but Russell Westbrook is, of course, Houston's emotional leader. So when he's out there, everybody just has an extra, a extra step. Uh, of course, his score was rusty, but he did have six rebounds, and he had seven assists and no turnovers. Um, and, of course, he was on the minute restrictions, but he was able to stay under that, only playing 24 minutes. Uh, and then the biggest subtraction, Dennis Schroeder, uh, yesterday in the third quarter, he got into a scruffle that, a scuffle that we saw with P.J. Tucker where he hit him in his man part, and P.J. Tucker came back and headbutted him. So they both got ejected. And, of course, if you've been watching this series, Dennis Schroeder was a way bigger loss for the Thunder than P.J. Tucker was for the Rockets uh, because in games three and four, and especially second quarter of game five, he had been OKC's best player. Uh, and once he was ejected, it was clearly obvious how much they missed his scoring uh, because outside of CP3 and Shea Gilders-Alexander, they really didn't have any other uh, perimeter scoring threats. Uh, and it was really four on five whenever they had Luke Dort on the floor. Uh, you could tell it was harder for the other Thunder players to score because SGA and Danilo Gallinari, who typically averaged like 38 points a game, only combined for five points. <laughs> and I didn't realize that till today when I went back and looked it up. But they were like two for 13 combined from the field. And that's just ridiculous. Uh, and another thing that I, that he, or okay, Steve's going to have to look out for next game is Houston, every time somebody was matched up on Shea Gilders Alexander, they attacked him. And like they were just clearly picking on him at one point in the game. Uh, so OKC, I think, is probably pretty much out of this series at this point. Uh, especially with Russ coming back yesterday. Robert Covington added six three-pointers. The Rockets are just clicking on all cylinders right now. You pretty I, I feel like you stole my notes, man. You 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 basically touched <laughs> you literally touched on everything I was gonna talk about, but I'm gonna keep it short here. You pretty much covered everything. Uh Houston outscored OKC by at least ten points in three of the four quarters. So there you go right there. Uh, you know, Harden had thirty one. Eric Gordon had 20. Robert Covington had 22. Uh, they were 19 to 48 from three. Uh, they were plus 17 in assists, and they were plus nine in steals. Uh, so that's big. OKC only had four players in double figures. Uh, Shea Gillis, Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and Lou Dort only had 11 points combined. And they shot five of 29 from the field. That was ugly to watch, man. Danilo Gallinari <laughs> only had one point, Quinn. 
<laughs> like, I, I just, I was like, wow, I was like, wow. Uh, and like you were right about uh, uh, Shea Gillis Alexander. You were right about he was getting picked on yesterday. And I think you know he's not really he doesn't rely on his athleticism to score the ball either. So you know he has he has great length uh, for a guard. You know he's a tall guard, but you know he plays kind of slow. So I think that kind of affects him on the defensive end as well. Uh, in terms of, you know, keeping your feet quick, quick feet, you know, stuff like that. You know, you got to have quick feet to be a great defender. And now uh, he's not the quickest guy in the world. He's more of a – he has like a herky-jerky style. It's kind of – kind of, it looks kind of lazy, but it's effective nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, when you got a team like Houston, you got so many guys that can put the ball in the basket, you're going to get picked on. Like, you can't be out there – you can't be a weakness out there. And with Lou Dort. You know, he's a good defender. He's been doing great on James Harden, making him work for every bucket. Uh, but he hasn't been shooting the ball. I think he shot three for 16 yesterday. So, I mean, okay, so, uh, yeah. Houston is going to continue to give him them shots because he's proven that he's not able to make those shots right now at this point in his career. Uh, CP3 only had 16. Uh, Steven Adams had 12 points. So, yeah, it's just simply – without Dennis Schroeder, they simply just didn't have enough offense. Yeah, and with Schroeder going out, you know, you talked about how Shea Gilgis-Alexander really isn't the most athletic person. Well, I think we've come to see while he's a good player, you know, he's better suited off the ball. And with Schroeder going out, he had to handle the ball a little bit more yesterday. And I think that kind of got exposed a little bit on the offensive end anyway. Uh, and Lou Dort with those shots, like you said, he was three for 16, I believe. Uh, I think I heard them mention like 10 of his shots at least were taken with more than 15 seconds left on the shot clock. So if he knows he's that bad of a shooter, there's no reason he should be pulling all those unnecessary threes if he still has that much time left on the shot clock. So I don't know if somebody's on the Thunder just saying, and you America at some point just keep shooting or what? But that's gonna have to stop next game. It's it's definitely gonna stop if they want a chance, but I think it's over pretty much over with. Uh I think yeah, Rust Rust didn't shoot the ball well yesterday and you know, of course he was rusty. He hasn't played basketball in about a month, so of course he's gonna be rusty. He ain't gonna have his legs, but I don't think Russ gonna shoot that poorly next game. And like you said, he still has six rebounds and seven assists and no turnovers in the amount of time that he played. So you you can expect him to play better. And I think, like I said, like I predicted before the series started, I had Houston in six. So, But let's go on to the second to the second, to the last game of your, your last night. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers were looking to close it out against the, the Damian Lillard-less Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Quinn, what are your thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Portland Trailblazers game? Look, bro, I, I have to ask you a question. I already know what your answer probably is, but knowing you've been a lifelong Lakers fan, which duo, not not greatness, we know who's the greater duo, but more talented, are you taking Kobe and Shaq or LeBron and AD based on what you've seen? Uh, I'm going to take Braun and AD uh, because of AD, though. Uh, I think, like, I mean, I've seen Shaq call, say Joel Embiid was more talented than him. And and I think Anthony Davis is more talented than Joel Embiid. So, 
Oh, you know, yeah, for sure. You know, Shaq, you know, during the time, at that time, Shaq, you know, had a, was a big man that had a handle. You know, he could bring the ball to court, you know, pass a little bit, do his thing. But that's pretty much the standard for big men these days. And Anthony Davis is probably, in my lifetime, probably one of the most, probably the most talented big man I've seen in my life. And, I mean, we know the talent that LeBron brings to the game. So, you know, I would say just pure talent. I would say LeBron and AD. I just had to I just had to get that off my chest. Cause I don't know if we watched the same game last night, but they went off. <laughs> like we knew the Blazers was bad on defense. Yeah, we get it. But dude, just the, the chemistry between these two players, the way they bring the best out of each other, like like we really can't be surprised if they pull off a championship. But Yesterday, I believe AD was the first player with a 40-point game since Kobe in 2012. And Brown and AD are all of the four teammates in history to have 30 points and shoot 70% from the field in the postseason. And Kobe and Shaq on that list, by the way. Uh, But first, I do want to give credit to Portland. You know, they were shorthanded yesterday. I believe they only had, what, like eight, nine players. Uh, but they still competed hard. Uh, CJ, we, we knew he was going to get buckets. Uh, Melo had a vintage performance. He he balled out. Uh, Nurk and Gary Trent played well. I think Gary Trent's kind of really had a coming out party uh, here in this bubble. So maybe he hopefully he can build off that next year. Uh, but – we all knew this series was going to end last night. Like I said, Blazers were well under man. Uh, combined with, like I said, already having the bubble's worst, worst defense. Uh, but looking at the bigger picture for the Lakers, I think you could easily say that, especially first half last night, that was the Lakers' worst defensive game of the series. Uh, you have to wonder, of course, with the time that they had off and, you know, the outside things that are on their minds right now. Uh, but they just – they really lack defensive intensity last night. Uh, and now that has to, you know, come into question again with now they'll have at least three to five days off before they start their next series against either OKC or Houston. Uh, so hopefully – Hopefully that won't be that won't be a trend moving forward. Uh, but another thing for me too, will better defensive teams in these later rounds be able to expose that lack of shooting? Because they got away with it against Portland, but they still didn't shoot that well from three uh, this series. Now if LeBron and AD play like they do that did last night, it won't matter. Uh, but even Bron, AD, and KCP combined for 12 threes. And you, I don't think you can count on them to do that night in, night out. Uh, and Danny Green, I don't know. Hopefully he'll show up this round. But last night he was one for six. <laughs> yes. Oh, and by the way, he's coming back next year. He was one of the few players that signed a two-year contract with the Lakers. I know like half the team is on one year, but he's coming back so. If he don't get no better, we we just got to deal with this for a whole other season. <laughs> uh, but on Portland side, you know, after this year, 
you have to question if they're going to break up Damon CJ. And I think if they did have to trade one of them, it'd definitely be CJ. Especially if I was a trailblazer, I'd trade CJ. Uh, but if I had to make a, tra- a prediction, I would say out of teams that could also be looking for big trades this offseason, I say we shouldn't be surprised if the 76ers make some kind of trade with the Trailblazers for CJ McCollum. Hmm. That's, that's maybe, interesting. Maybe something sitting around like Tobias Harris and a few other pieces. But if you could get CJ McCollum with Ben Simmons and Embiid, I think that'll be a nice squad. That's interesting. That's something we should revisit uh, down the line. Uh, but, bro, I mean, I expected Lakers to win this game uh, easily. Uh, I, easily, of course. Uh, no Dane. Uh, CJ, another great game, 36 points uh, with a broken bone in his back, might I add. You know, we saw Vintage Melo. He had 27. Uh, they had five players in double figures. Uh, they shot 13 of 27 from three-point range, which is pretty, which is excellent. Uh, but you know, Brian and 80 was too much. Uh, they combined for 79 points, 19 rebounds, 13 assists. They shot 28 of 37 from the field, and they shot eight of 13 from three-point line. Uh, the Lakers, as a team, they made 14 threes, and like you mentioned, KCP, Brian, and AD combined for 12 of those threes. That's not going to happen consistently going forward. We we need more from Danny Green. We need more from Kyle Kuzma. I mean, I wish we can get contributions from J.R. Smith. Uh, we need more from Alex Caruso. You know, uh, if Deion Wade is going to play, we can use some three-point shoot from him. Uh, but, I mean, I expected them to win, and they did what they needed to do. I think the game was a little, little closer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but that's a testament to the Blazers and their heart. They don't lay down for anybody. Uh, they go out fighting, uh, and you know. So. Look, and once again, I don't know what the deal is with Hassan Whiteside, uh, but once again, for all that size and all the defensive talent that we've seen at times, he just has too many games where he just decides he's not going to show up. <laughs> And last night was one of them. I don't know. That's I don't know. It's it's kind of been, it's been weird ever since really he got that contract from Miami. I think he he been kind of playing like every other game. Like he's just one of them games where it's just like, uh, oh oh yeah, I forgot about that. You right after he got paid, it was just like he quit. <laughs> <laughs> but man. Game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals was earlier today at 12 o'clock between the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> Quentin, what are your thoughts on that shellacking? Man, well, that wasn't what I expected at all. <laughs> I thought, I thought for me, well, of course, it's still one game, but I thought this series was going to be a dogfight. You know, of course, the Raptors, champions last year uh they're always gonna gonna have that grit that championship grit uh and the celtics of course are also one of the best defensive teams in the league uh and they they can be pretty physical themselves uh but the celtics have just had the raptors numbers all season really 
I know regular season usually doesn't mean much, but the Celtics are now four and one against the Raptors this year. Uh, and the Raptors, they're 11 and two in the bubble, and their only two losses have come to the Celtics by a combined 40 points. <laughs> so I don't know if this is if this is a trend like this series, this might not be much of a series, uh, but you know, Siakam had three early fouls in the first quarter. That's not gonna get it done. Uh, Sergi Baca and Marcus Gasol also had two two fouls and were in some foul trouble. Uh, I think the Raptors had six turnovers just in the first quarter. Uh, so when you come out like that and shoot yourself in the foot, you don't really give yourself much of a chance. Um, and then I've always talked about the Celtics, the number of guys they have that can get buckets, uh, and Kimball Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, along with Marcus Smart, all played well today. Uh, and you can't forget Daniel Tice, who threw in, I believe, what, 13 and 15. Uh, so it was just an all-around complete effort from the uh, the Celtics. I believe Fred Van Fleet and Siakam were only, what, two for 15 together? And, like, they didn't play well at all. So I don't know. I don't know what happened with them. Uh, but Raptors definitely laid an egg. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. They they got beat down today. Uh and Boston started the game off fast. And every time, you know, every time Toronto made a little run, uh Boston would counter that and, and extend the lead again. Uh Toronto never had the lead at any point. <laughs> uh, and I think the thing with Boston, you know, when you got guys like Jason Tatum and Kimball Walker who can get buckets at any time and they can close out games. Uh, you know, they closed out quarters well, too. I think that's important to note. You know, Toronto would kind of close the gap a little bit, and then Tatum or Kimball would make a last-second shot, get a few buckets towards the end of a quarter, and then there you go. The league go from seven to eight to about 13 to 14. I think that was that was a constant pattern throughout the game. They were down – Toronto was down 17 at the half. Uh, and for Boston, like you said, all five starters had at least 13 points. Uh, they had six players in double figures total. Uh, Robert Williams was their leading scorer off the bench with 10. Uh, Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart each had 21 points. Uh, Kimba had a double-double. He had 18 points and 10 assists. Uh, they were plus 10 in the rebounding department, which is surprising considering their lack of size. Uh, they were plus five in assists. They, made, they were plus seven from the three-point line, uh, and they shot 47% from the field. I think with Toronto, uh, they had seven players in double figures, which is what you expect from them. Uh, but Siakam, Fred Van Fleet, and Kyle Lowry combined for 41 points in 13 of 44 from the field. And they shot three of 19 from three-point range. Uh, and they shot 37% from the field as a team. Uh, that, that can't happen if they expect to advance against the Boston Celtics. Uh, the Boston Celtics are too talented and they're too skilled offensively to come out and shoot like that. And, of course, you know, Siakam and, you know, Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry are not going to shoot that poorly every single game. But you got to, you know, even if they shoot, if they shoot, they shoot 45% from the field, you still got to wonder, and it's a close game, are they going to be able to close out the game? Because, like, who is in the half court? Who do you trust on their team to go get you a bucket in the half court? Exactly. That's my problem. And you got, you know, with Boston, Jason Tabor can get you a bucket. 
Kemba Walker can definitely get you a bucket. And Jalen Brown has shown uh, that he's rose to the occasion and he can get you a bucket too. So you got three guys that you can just like, hey, I need a bucket, go win the game for me, and they can do it. And I think that matters. So, you know, those teams are in that that way, they're evenly matched, you know. So, you know, like I, I got Boston winning the series in six. Uh, but we'll see going forward. I'm sure Toronto uh, is going to play much better uh, to come Tuesday. Uh, I will hope so for their sake because <laughs> they don't want to go down to 0-2. Nah, that'll be big trouble. Uh, and to go off one point you made, uh, that's what I forgot to mention. Probably one of the biggest things to keep an eye on in this series. Uh, Toronto is the best transition offense in the NBA. And the Celtics are the best transition defense. And one of the big things today was the Celtics definitely made the Raptors a half-court team, which is something you brought up. Uh, and we saw how, how that really showed their limitations offensively and the ability to create baskets. Uh, so if they do that every game and the Raptors aren't able to get out and run, which of course starts with their defense, then we could probably see every game and similar to the one that ended today. So <clears throat> let's move on to our next topic here. Uh it was the game that was played uh secondly played at 230 today. Uh it was the Los Angeles Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks. The Clippers did find a way to close out this series four to two. So Quinn, what are your thoughts on the Lakers Clippers game? I mean I mean Clippers <laughs> Mavericks game, so <laughs> you are in the Western Conference Finals. But I'm going to keep this in short because I've been kind of long-winded. But, of course, I think I did predict this one to end in six. Uh, Kawhi and the Clippers were just too much, especially without Porzingis. Uh, Kawhi's having another historically great run. He's averaging like 33. Uh, he was unguardable. Luca, I said he was third in MVP voting for me this season. He showed us why this series. Uh, I think he cemented himself, at least for this season, as a top five player in the league. Uh, and I think, of course, they got away, and it was kind of not a big deal this series. But Paul George's shooting is starting to kind of become a concern. He was six for 19 today, two for seven from three. And once again, something I've always talked about with him, he doesn't get to the free throw line because he was just one for two on free throws today. Uh, so that was just kind of my big takeaways from today for that game. We both pretty much covered all the bases about the game. Like I said, that's a concern for me going forward. But, you know, we'll see, you know, with whoever they get matched up with next, whether it be the Nuggets uh, or the Jazz, because they're going to need them against those teams as well, too. Uh, but moving on to our next topic. Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Bucks will take on the Miami Heat in game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals starting tomorrow. Uh, Quinn, what are your thoughts on this series? What are your thoughts on this game one of this series? Yeah, so I see a lot more people are starting to hop on the Heat hype train. Uh, the Heat have shown they have the shooting to keep up with the Bucks. Uh, they have the players to build a wall to contain Giannis with Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Andre Iguodala, uh, and Jay Crowder. Uh, they also, well, on the Bucks side, Chris Middleton has yet to show 
that he can, you know, play up to his level in the playoffs because <laughs> I, I don't know what the deal is with him. But this year, regular season, he was averaging 21 and was basically another 50-40-90 guy again. But now in the playoffs, his scoring is down to 15 a game, 36% from the field, 37% from three. And get this, from the free throw line, he's gone from 91% to 65. Like, I, I don't know. I give up on Chris Middleton. And that was against the Magic. So you can you can only imagine if they're going to throw Jimmy Butler on them this round, what's going to happen. Uh, but for this series, I if my prediction, I'm going Heat in six or seven, but probably six. Uh, and I think a big X factor this series is going to be the matchup between uh, Goran Dragic and Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Bledsoe hasn't hasn't really played that well so far in the playoffs. Dragic, meanwhile, went off first round. He was averaging about 23 a game. He was aver- actually the Heat's leading scorer. Uh, so I think that, that matchup is going to determine uh, ultimately how this series goes. Uh, I, I'm excited. I've been talking about this series for a while, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say I got Miami in seven. Uh, Miami was the only team to have a winning record against the Milwaukee Bucks this season. You know, when you're looking at Miami, uh, they're they're disciplined defensively, extremely disciplined. Uh, and Bam Adebayo can match up with Giannis, uh, and that's because of his physicality, his athletic ability, and his defensive prowess. And I know one thing to note about Miami, they shoot the three ball extremely well. Uh, They have some versatile athletic defenders. They have an ultra-reliable closer, and they have great role players, consistent, consistently great role players. Just, you know, it's it's cool to have good role players, but if they don't show up when you need them to, then they're no no count for you in the playoff time. And Milwaukee, you know, all year long, they were one of the best offensive and defensive teams. They have the best player in this series which typically means they should win. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, it's a matchup issue for Milwaukee. Uh, all season long, Miami, you know, I'm, excuse me, Milwaukee, they give you open threes, and they allow the most three-point attempts per game. And the playoffs have shown Miami uh, can absolutely tear you up from behind the three-point line. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, but their second star is unreliable. Uh, like you said, Chris Middleton has been terrible against the Orlando Magic, you know, <laughs> Who really don't have who? Who is their their wing defender on the Orlando Magic? They They're probably hurt. had Evan Fournier guarding them. Come on now, you're supposed to cook Evan Fournier. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, and like I've mentioned, I've mentioned so many times, they don't have a real closer. Giannis is not a closer. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton is not a closer, bro. You know, with Milwaukee, your best player is limited in the half court. Outside of the Euro step, like. What does what offensive skill move that Giannis has that's gonna get him a bucket in the in the front court? He doesn't have one. Nope. And with Miami, and like I said, with Miami, they Bam has a quickness to keep up with Giannis. You know the thing with playing against Giannis, you have to put a body in front of him when he's getting to the rim. And if you do that, you know what I'm saying you can take him out of his game. He still can get his points. He still can get his rebounds, of course. But when you do that, you know you you limit the energy and the effectiveness uh, at which he gets them points. And like you said, you know. Eric Bledsoe hasn't been playing well. Uh, and I think, you know, Miami has better guard play as well. You know, and it's 
worth mentioning that Kendrick Nunn, he didn't even play until like the last game of last series. So, you know, he he's didn't play that much. <laughs> exactly. He's a rookie of the year finalist. That's 17 points a game for Miami that wasn't even that was missing in action. Tyler Harrow's been shooting the cover off the ball. Duncan Robinson has been a monster. <laughs> uh Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder and Iguodala are proven veterans. They can get it done come playoff time. They play defense. They do all the little things well, and they can get you a timely three. So I just think Miami, they their team is just too great. And their star, the star they do have, Jimmy Butler, he's ultra reliable. And like I said, Giannis is going to get his points. He's going to get his rebounds. But when it comes down to playoff basketball, end of the game, half court, I need a bucket to win the game. Giannis can't do that. And Chris Middleton can't do it either. So I got Miami in seven. You said Miami is great. <laughs> huh? I, which, yeah, yeah. They, they great. It's a great team, bro. Like, no, they, they don't real have real good. They not. They great. don't have. They don't have the traditional two superstar makeup as most teams do. As a lot of the, the great, as a lot of the highly rated teams do. But in terms of you know what they like to do, they're great at what they do. Oh yeah, for sure. That that's that's a good distinction. They're great at what they do, cause they they got two stars. They you know they know who they are, well coached. Uh, but you know going back to what I said about Eric Bledsoe, you know you've always talked about how Giannis isn't a closer. Chris Middleton disappears, uh, and that that goes into why I said I think Eric Bledsoe is gonna be a big X factor in this series. Because he's he's gonna have to be the Bucks closer uh, if the, if the two stars keep playing the way they do. Uh, so we'll we'll just have to see. I'm excited. You know, we both gonna be tuned in. Uh, hell, I'm watching that game with the utmost attention tomorrow. Oh yeah! Since the playoffs started, I probably didn't miss the combined only like three four games. I don't, I don't I've, even been, think, I've been pretty much watching every game, and I don't even think I've missed that many. I think I I might have not. I'm I didn't watch one of Milwaukee's game. I think the first game of Milwaukee series, no, maybe game two of this series I didn't watch. Uh, but pretty much I've watched pretty much every other game from beginning to end. But, yeah, me too. Once again, just just the love of the game, man. But let's move on to our final topic. This is going to be a quick one, you guys. Uh, tonight is game six of the Denver Nuggets versus the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are currently up 3-2, uh, and they're trying to get rid of the Nuggets to go on to the second round to face the Clippers. Quinn, give me your quick thoughts on game six and how you think it's going to turn out. I'm riding with my boy, Donovan Mitchell. He's been hooping. Uh, he's the lead scorer in the playoffs right now, averaging 37 a game. I, I mean, I don't know. The Nuggets don't have an answer for him. They done threw everything but the kitchen sink at him and can't guard him. I mean, man. he's a young D. He's a young D. Wade, plain and simple. Man, I got the I got the Jazz as well. Uh, the Nuggets they they were supposed to win this series. Uh, they they had the advantage, but after game two. <laughs> It's like it was just like dang, you know the the Jazz brought you it. I'm so disappointed. I am disappointed in them, bro. I mean, you got Jokic, who was an MVP candidate last year, 
You got Jamal Murray, who came back just in time, who been balling ever since. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. been eat, been balling in the bubble. You know, they got a deep team, but they just hadn't got it done. Donovan Mitchell has been too special. Like you said, averaging 37. He got two 50-point games, but that man is a bucket. Like you said, a young D-Wade. Certified, certified and, I mean, bucket. You know, and, and let's also talk about Jamal Murray. Uh, that man has been – he's been going ballistic the last three four games. Uh, so, you know, him and, Donovan Mitchell, him and Donovan Mitchell have been going at it, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. And, you know, you always love to see stars guard each other and go at it at the end of games. But like I said, I got I got Utah tonight. I think it's going to be a close one, but I got Utah prevailing. Yeah, so we're going to get ready for this Utah Clippers series next round. Which Man, Clint- I, don't, I don't know if that'll be much of one. <laughs> No, I don't think it will. I don't th- they ain't got enough. They don't have enough firepower. But man, but Quinn, that was our last topic. Is there anything else you want to add? No. Uh, just appreciate the support. Uh, thank you for still rocking with us. Uh, continue to you know push for Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, and get out and register to vote. Man, like you said, thank y'all for the support. Uh, you know, if you got any topic suggestions, if you, if you got anything you want to hear us talk about, please let us know. You know, a lot of y'all follow, a lot of our supporters already follow us on social media. Uh, we got Twitter, we got Facebook, we got Instagram, we got our personal accounts. It don't matter who you hit up. You know, we we always communicate that type of stuff. So, like you said, Black Lives Matter. Uh, continue to push for, you know, vote, get out there and vote, make sure you register to vote, uh, continue to push for legislation because that's what, this what's going to change things uh, in this country, legislation, uh, and, and continue, you know, to protect yourself, you know, stay inside if you got to, stay inside if you need to, you know, COVID is still out here and COVID-19 is very real. Uh, it's taking out some people and it's taking out plenty of people in our hometown. So just want y'all to stay safe. Black Lives Matter and we want to thank y'all. Appreciate it. Oh, and Wakanda forever. Oh, yeah. Wakanda forever. Uh, I, I do want to send out uh, some love and some support uh, for the uh, for Chadwick Boseman's family. Uh, as pretty sure most of you guys know, uh, he passed away uh, uh, the other night. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he fought a brave battle with colon cancer. So just want to send love and support to his family. Uh, and, you know, we lost another great one this year. The black community has been hurting. We've had a lot of deaths this year, some great black people, and we've been having this struggle. Uh, but we're gonna prevail. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be all right. Oh yeah. But like I said, thank y'all for supporting us, and we out.